the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Healthcare Now, paid for by Integrated Physician Network. This program is recorded to air at this time. Welcome to Healthcare Now, Healthcare now. with your hosts, Larry Jones and Dr. Mark Shayak. Want to become an educated healthcare consumer? Then join our discussion about all things healthcare and understand how to navigate our complex U.S. healthcare system. Now, let's join our hosts in the Healthcare Now Studios. Welcome to Healthcare Now, and thanks for joining us this Sunday afternoon. A little different time for us, Larry. Yeah, I'm uh, Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, my co-host, and we're going to pick up the show just as usual, even though we're doing it a day later. How about right, that? Right. Now, we're talking a little bit about uh, COVID as we open up, and uh, I think that the big news remains uh, COVID and the Omicron, the Omicron variant. Yes. But I think before we get into the details, it's very important to point out that, you know, the Delta variant is still by far... In the high 90%. 99% yeah, of the yeah, infections right now. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's still the main one. And I think a little bit of time has passed. Uh, and we've certainly seen, we'll talk about, you know, the more states that it's shown up in. Sure. But it really hasn't shown itself to be the type of player that uh, Delta was. And so that's encouraging. I, I haven't there, heard you know, any of hospitalizations due to Omicron. I've heard they're all mild cases so far. Um, yeah, I think it's still tough because they're not really testing for it. So, okay. so we don't we don't know yeah. that for sure yet, but they are you know they are doing some testing for locating whether it's in the systems, mm-hmm. and we'll chat. I think we'll yeah, chat we'll about talk that about that, in that a little bit. But you know it's it's really uh, going into the holiday season. There's a lot of fear and concern that if we've got uh, a rapidly spreading variant, that we're going to mm-hmm. see a bump after you know families get together and there's more travel, mm-hmm. and we we didn't see that really with Thanksgiving. No, we didn't. You know, and I think that... And the travel during those holidays. Yeah, and there was a lot of travel. Yeah. I mean, travel yeah. was... Uh, it was 50 million people 50 traveled million. during the Thanksgiving it was, holiday. It was only a few percentage off 2019, yeah. right? Yeah, so, exactly. So I think uh, we've definitely stressed the system a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's important. So, But again, on Thursday, December 9th, the FDA authorized booster shots of the Pfizer a vaccine for people as young as 16, Dr. Mark. Right. So everybody 16 and up can go yep. go ahead and get, get the booster. Um, I think that that's that's pretty key. Uh, but I think that we kind of, I kind of want to jump jump ahead to the, we, we were just discussing this about the, the, the little the kids, kids, the five yeah. to 12. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it stated in an article in the Orlando Sentinel that in Florida, as of this week, nine mm-hmm. percent of children between the ages of five and 11 have been vaccinated. Right. And 57 percent of kids 12 to 19 years old have been vaccinated. Right. And so really Those are a, low numbers, a really, Dr. really Martin. low number of yeah. five to 11. And I haven't heard the pundits talk too much about the, the whys and the wherefores. I think the the message that goes on and on, uh, and I think uh, 
the uh, uh, the physician's name that from from uh, Rush that we followed, he had mentioned how he's not really concerned about these kids getting right. significantly ill. Right. But again, it's about the spread. Right. And we've also not seen a concern with the kids who've gotten the vaccine right. having any problems at all. But let me ask you this, Doctor Mark, mm-hmm. with reports that the Omicron may spread faster than Delta, and we don't know that yet. Right. Do you think sixteen and seventy year olds should get the booster, meaning the third shot? Yeah, I don't. You know, honestly, I don't think Omicron has anything to do with anything. Okay. I think the, the issue is Delta is still out there. It's still strong. There's still a lot of cases. And if if they fall in the right timing, what we know, the science that we know is that that first shot, if you were in Johnson & Johnson, or mm-hmm. the first two shots uh, for the mRNA vaccines starts to have a wane waning effect of your antibodies, right? Right. So right. that's what we know. Right. And we don't have we don't have a lot of data yeah. on the younger kids right. other than safety. Yep. And you know, some might argue that well, the whole idea is we think that their immune system's a little more bolstered up mm-hmm. and a little more in hyperdrive. So yep. maybe they don't have the issue. Right. But at this point weighing risk to benefit, yeah, they should get yeah. the boosters. Well, on this past week, the, the CEO of Pfizer, Albert Buria, actually made the statement, although two doses of the vaccine may still offer protection against severe disease caused by the Omicron strain, it is clear that protection is improved with the third dose of the vaccine, right. the booster. Right. I, and I, I do, I mean, he's a CEO of a great company, yep. great guy. I, I really wish... He wouldn't talk about stuff like well, this. Well, not only I mean, that, they've even talked about briefly a fourth shot. And yeah, I mean, let yeah, me just ask uh, yeah, you this, Doctor yeah. Mark. We don't know. Is this marketing? Oh, sure. I mean, well, <laughs> it's a balance, right? Yeah. Uh, I, Larry, uh, let's be fair. So, if you have something, I mean, to think about, it, he's the CEO of a company that Huge is responsible yep. for saving millions of lives. Okay, yep. no, mm-hmm. no question, no question. And so, the only way you do that and do that well is if you believe in what you're doing. Right. right. So you have to balance that with the science, and, and they do. Uh, right. And I think that in this particular case during the pandemic, there's been too much – there's too many news blurbs yep. from these CEOs. Nothing against yep. them because people are asking them the question. They of have course. to answer the question. That's right. So That's I think right. you know the media is sort of looking to, to talk to folks, and, and, and oh, it's like we yep. talked about last week. Who are the experts? Right. I mean, he is absolutely an expert at what he no does. Question. No but, question. But when I heard he and, was talking the fourth shot, I thought, yeah. well, how long are we going to keep doing this? Right. <laughs> and, and if you look back at some of the other discussions, um, even before uh, the, the vaccine was approved for you know, beyond emergency yeah. use, there were a lot of comments that were really not based on anything other right. than what you would believe if it was right. your, if it, it hits his vaccine. Yeah. He believes in and, it. And, and you know, got, the you other know, thing that I've seen lately in the press and the media, when they keep talking about boosters, and again, I just asked you if 16 and 17-year-olds should get the booster. Uh-huh. I'm not even hearing that you should wait six months now. People are just saying, go get the booster. Um, I think there's still there's still a timeline. There is yeah, a timeline. Yeah, still a timeline. But you don't hear about yeah. it. Uh, I, you know. In I, the media. I, oh, in the media. Oh, yeah. right, right, in right. The media. No, but I yeah. think the recommendation yeah. is still the still six months. Still six months. Yeah. Still six yeah. months. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that the, the idea, one of the interesting things that's come out of this is had the Johnson & Johnson been two shots, it probably would have been the most effective yeah although as we think back it also had the at least the association with the most significant side effects um as rare as they were it was typically the johnson and johnson vaccine so okay right so it's kind of you know there's all these things that okay this started 
you know, we started playing this 18 game. 18 months ago. Yeah, 18 yeah. months ago. Yeah. We do not have enough data. We're going we're gonna to know so much more in hindsight and going forward. There's a lot of discussion about does this become like the flu and we're going to have to be revisiting these vaccines every we have no idea that's right but we have time to figure that out and i want i want to hear that from scientists who may indeed be working for pfizer and the other great companies that are working on this but not so much from you know the 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 c-suite and the cheerleaders that 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 have something they're not doing anything evil i don't mean that i'm just saying you know there are other people we can talk to well let me give you kind of an update on what came out uh, on the new york times and the associated press this past week still more than 1200 people a day are dying from covid in this country most 65 and older right and it's interesting that we've almost hit 800,000 deaths in the united states 600 plus thousand of those have been over age 65 yeah no and and we recognized that in the very beginning and that was the 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 play in florida uh was governor DeSantis really focused on getting the shots out there in fact if you remember the not not all the states nursing home and over 65 Mm -hmm. were the first ones he approved absolutely so that did save a lot of lives Yep. You know, I worry. You look at that 800,000 number, you know we're going to hit a million. Of course. And, you know, again, with the, the drama. Well, at 1,200 the, a day, uh, it's not going to take long. Yeah, because we could, yeah. man, I don't do math yeah. on, on the show. I won't do any math on the show, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so that's going to be a really dark, dark announcement and probably cause some panic. And yep. I mean, I, I have to say, I look at almost all the news as, is this news that's going to get people more likely to get the vaccine or less motivated likely. more yep. likely to yep. travel yep. or less likely and right. that's sort of right. the the things that we live with day to day uh you know if you're fortunate i mean if right. you're not fortunate you're you're living with the fact that you've got a loved one yep. in the hospital and and you got to work right. work on that well let me throw something else out there that i am really at a loss to understand and Uh-oh. maybe you can shed some light on this dr mark i'll give it a try no guarantees headlines of the newspaper this week omicron found an orange wastewater right and it seems that orange county has found the omicron variant in wastewater a spokesman for the orange county utility said preliminary tests of the wastewater plants monday in northwest and south orlando showed signs of the omicron variant yep and and just add to that they they Mm -hmm. found it in seminole as well okay so two of our our largest counties right and so you're you're wondering about the wastewater thing i can actually shed light on that one we didn't i I do not get it (laughs) <laughs> okay, here's the deal. It's actually quite brilliant. So this came about at a college campus where they were saying, you know, we've got these kids that, and this was before Delta, but this was this was pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, you know, I, I didn't know we were going to talk about this, so I didn't look it up. But but what campus it was? But literally, the scientists uh, at this college said. You know, they were like, well, how can we figure out if we're about to have an outbreak? Because right. these kids don't really get sick. How do we know? They said, well, if somebody came up and said, well, if we taste, check, check the sewage, the wastewater, we can actually find whether or not COVID-19, whether the virus is there or not. And we can actually figure out specifically what dorms it's coming from. Okay. And so they started testing months and months ago, more than a year ago, testing wastewater. And it's not an overly expensive test, Mm -hmm. and it's also quite sensitive. 
and it's 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 epidemiologically important, right? It's not right. it's not right. saying Larry, you have it, Mark, you have it. What it's saying is, yeah, we have an outbreak potential here because yeah. we've got some shed virus. Right. So that's what it is. Well, so. this sampling uh, that was tipped off from Orange County leaders back in the late summer, as you indicated, is from a sampling of the water supply for eight hundred and seventy thousand residents in the Orlando. The wastewater, yeah, yeah, the wastewater. Yeah, not yeah. talking about the not talking about what's going to us, right? Yeah, right. But but, but what this, in so the wastewater sample, right? So yeah. basically, somebody who gets sick is shedding the virus, right. And everything that's going right. out out from their bodies, and that's what they're picking up, right? So yeah, no, I think it's that's going to be. Uh, I would predict, as we kind of get things under control, that's going to be one of the maintenance pieces that goes on, and we're going to hear. Uh, especially at schools. Yeah. You know? Well, we had heard this in other parts of the country, sure. but this is the first time that we've actually heard it in the Orlando area. Well, they were testing it. I want to say they were yeah. testing it at Rollins College. Oh, were they? Yeah, I want to okay. say that that's okay. where I heard the story that okay. it was passed on. And, and again, we could fact check that, but but they are, we have been test, t- testing wastewater here, here in Orange County. It's just, what are we using that information for? So in this case... We're using that information to say, yes, it's already in. I think we're over 26, 27 states in the U.S. Right. have identified I it. I think 26, I think I saw but yesterday. But not everybody is testing. Yep. Okay. Right. And there's, since the Delta variant still is overwhelmingly the one that people are showing up with at the mm-hmm. hospital, we don't know. I, I suspect this thing's yeah. everywhere. Well, the the wastewater samples come from people shedding it, obviously. Right. In their stools and whatever. Yep. But... Evidently, these people don't have any symptoms. Well, you don't know. Yeah. No, they're going to shed whether they have. Well, right. the, the idea right. is that if they don't have any symptoms, we can still say, yeah, we have, a, we have an there. outbreak. Right. 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 Because and, and the earlier you catch it and say, hey, everybody on the west side of campus has to you know, wash your hands, wear a mask, do right. this, do that. Right. And you're going to take classes from home. We're okay. going to decrease the spread. So that was that's the idea behind the whole thing. So it's really, I mean, I'll tell you, it's, it's brilliant. Interesting conversation, Doctor yep. Epidemiologist. Yeah, right. No, don't. don't I, I'm, I'm really I'm really stretching it, and uh, fortunately, cool. I've got a relatively good memory. And I remembered when I saw that, I'm like, man, this is brilliant. We're gonna yeah. we're gonna see this all the time. And that, but I wish I had prepped for it because we could even talk about how they do it, if it's a PCR or what it, what it is. But right. then people would start falling asleep and at sure. the other end of the show. Well, I won't promise we won't talk about the COVID again, but okay. when we come back, we're going to talk about something near and dear to your heart, and that's medical school applications. All right. Looking forward to it. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry Jones. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. Dr. Mark, will be right back. See you in a minute. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 
407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, and happy Sunday once again. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with my host, Larry, or my co-host, Larry, Larry co-host. Jones. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we're going to – see, I'm all off the, the one-day one difference. And even though we taped it the same day every That's week, right. it doesn't matter. That's I don't right. know. So we're going to jump. You said we're going to talk about some uh, medical yeah. school stuff. And yeah. you're right. That's definitely uh, near and dear near to my and heart. Near to your heart. Well, so. it was reported that medical school applications have hit a record high. The number of applications rose 18% over the last year, women and members of most minority groups also made gains. But applications to medical schools surged to a record high yeah. in 2021 and uh, continue nationwide. 64,000 people plus applied to medical schools for the 2021-22 year, Dr. Yep. Martin. Now, so it's, it's interesting because this is something that... I would guess I've, I have followed this since I was in college, yeah. right? Uh, well, I know so, you've been working so, with FSU since 2003. Yep. And, yeah. uh, it, you know, it's it's just a, a fascinating up and down, and people try to figure out the whys and the wherefores. I'm sure people will say, oh, well, this is because of COVID, and people got interested yep. in medicine. Could be. I don't know. Could be. Could be. Could be. Um, yep. it, the applications are, I believe, in the last couple of years were down, and they were their their predictions on and on because what there's a pretty good tight control over how many med students there are per year in the country right right, right. and so they, each school only accepts so many right? exactly yeah. and, and yeah. the schools gotcha. especially the schools that are state schools mm-hmm. um they they typically come together as um, i mean we had some experience a few years ago here in florida where we opened up new med schools and that hasn't happened in a really long time okay and so the whole discussion was well we need doctors in florida right and so several years ago there there was this plan to go ahead and in first they thought well but we could just increase the number of students per the number of schools that we have Uh, and then the other was well Mm -hmm. maybe we could put in some new med schools and the reality is the chance of you staying in your state where you went to med school, or more importantly, where you do your residency, is pretty high. Right. So that is a way for a state to come through and say, you know, we're going to have a, a doctor shortage. Mm-hmm. Now, I can't tell you how many doctor shortages have been discussed. It's been all over the news for years. But, yeah. you know, I think the the milestone here is this 2021 increase for 21-22 of 63,000 is the largest one-year increase in 20 years in medical schools. Right. So what what was – I mean, the only thing you can say is – COVID. I mean, that, yeah. that people are getting interested. They're seeing science. They're seeing right, medicine. Right, right. And and maybe they're saying, you know, I'm going to go for it. You know, it's like, you know, at, uh, at you know, when we talk about 9-11, at mm-hmm. the uh, the bombings, or the, the the planes exploding our, our city of New York, do you know how many right. people re-upped in, in the military? The military. Yeah. You know, I was yeah. in the military at that time, and there were people that were coming back right. that had, had stepped out. They'd done their right. chores of duty, and they right. came back. You know how many people joined... Right. You know, fire departments and EMT yep. groups, yep. and I mean, they they was a lot so of young there is people a, there too. Is a, yep. is a call for that. Yep. I mean, it, yep. it, so I would say, you know, probably there'll probably be yep. some information about that. Well, you know, we're going to talk about the the physician shortage in the U.S. how it's growing as well. But I think there's one more piece of this that I'd mm-hmm. like to talk about, Doctor Markin, with sixty three thousand 
applicants. students applica- applicants for med school. Right. What is the average percentage of graduation that these people actually become doctors? Right. So there and and there's a, there's an absolute number where you okay. can you can say how many applicants. We're not we're not getting sixty two thousand new med students. Exactly. Okay. That's my point. And so yeah, and it's a huge variation. And interestingly, uh, FSU was uh, I believe it was last year mm-hmm. was named as the most selective medical school in the country because oh. they got more applicants to the number of acceptances. You know that ratio more okay. more so than any other right. school, and so I don't know. I'd have to have to dig that up to find yeah, the out the graduation yep. rate. Yep, is but it fifty percent or is it higher? No, I don't, don't, we don't, don't know. Don't press me, Larry. Oh no, okay. somebody knows. I just don't know. And, and I know <laughs> any data that I would have would be very specific to Florida. Okay, so we, okay. we can look up that general. Yeah, general we'll have data. that information on our next show. Yeah, maybe at the break we can yeah. figure that out. Okay, but, but I would say a couple of things. One, you know, no, it's not half. And then once. Okay. They're in medical school. The graduation rate is extremely high. Okay. Okay. Good. Not too many Good. people don't matriculate through because it's the idea is it's it's hard to get in, mm-hmm. and you know different schools do things different ways. Right. You know, and it, but the the bar is set quite high. Well, the reason I in. brought that up, Doctor mm-hmm. Mark, is here we're coming into 2022, and the um, Association of American Medical Colleges projects that between now and 2033, which is only 11 years, we're going to have 140,000 physician shortages around the U.S. Yeah, yeah, short of short of 140,000 yeah, physicians. Short of 140,000. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and and again, I, I'm sure. Sure, there's there's truth to that. Although in past years we've had predictions that we're going to have these big shortages, but here's here's why I really think this is going to happen. With COVID, we saw a huge number of early retirements. Yes. Okay. Uh, that this has been a trend, in and the we last saw few years, practices go out of business. Yeah. So yep. so we're we're really going to have to fill those losses. The population continues to grow. And, you know, we're going to see the typical year-over-year gain that we need right. that still exists. But here, here's something that's, that's interesting, Larry. Mm-hmm. There, there are groups that predict that for every physician that retires today, it will take three physicians to replace their workload. And why is that? It's, it's just an idea of training and work ethic, honestly. Is it the workload that we put on primary care today for value-based? Is that no, part of it's, it? It's, it's historically, because the folks that are, I mean, think about the folks that are retiring today, typically in their 60s, mm-hmm. maybe 70s. Yep, yep. And well, we've got some, some physicians here in Orlando that are still practicing in their, in their yep, 80s. Sure, of course. Yeah. And so they, they, started, they started this game a long time ago. And they do it a certain way. Mm-hmm. And we've had some of these doctors on the show and thought, man, they're they're doing above and beyond. Uh, and quite frankly, uh, with with limitations and restrictions on the training programs, mm-hmm. uh, people aren't used to doing the level and the hours that that we're coming. Right. You know, I'm right. starting to sound like the old fuddy duddy, but no, but, you're but the right. reality is, yep. you know. People talk about you know, surgery training is a, a, a good target to pick on, right? Mm-hmm. So in surgery training, uh, a lot of the programs, my program, I was either every other night call or every third night call. There's wow. no limitation on the number of hours. And and if you had a big, busy night, but then a, a, an important case came in the next day, your personality, your training, and your the expectation yep. from your, your bosses was that yep. you're going to hang around for it. Right. So... 
when you got in out. In spite it, of fatigue yeah, and everything else. Right. But yeah. you get out and you go into practice and you're like, yeah, I can do this. And another big right. case comes up and, well, yeah, I've been operating all day, but I can do this. So you've proven to yourself right. that right. you can do this and that's what you're used to doing. Right. Well, then add in hours of work restriction for residents and med students. Uh, which did did come up, and it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. I mean, mm-hmm. it came up because there were some cases, I believe, out of New York, okay. uh, where uh, doctors in training made errors, and they come to find out that these errors were made by somebody that hadn't slept in 36 hours right. or something I've crazy. Seen that. Yeah. And yeah. so when you present that out there, I mean, it, that sounds completely insane. Right. The only people that didn't think it seemed completely insane were the ones that lived through that and went, yeah, no, that's actually the way it's right. been for 50 years. Yeah. We, and and so now you've got people that are training at a much more humane level and arguably yeah. a safer level, and that's a right. discussion for another time, sure. whether it is, is or is not safer. But the reality is when they go out and go to work and they've been limited in their work week, do you think they're going to push it to the, yeah. beyond that limit when they get out and work? Well, you know, when we talk about just under 140,000 um, needs and shortages, the the alarming part of that, Dr. Marcus, over 55,000 of those are considered primary care physicians. And when we're in the age of value-based care, preventative care, and wellness, that creates a real problem when people can't go to a primary care physician and get their uh, wellness done each year to know where they are where they are in their health. Well, Larry, I, ga- I gave you that my opinion on that last yep. week. You did. They're they're not going to be MDs. They're going to be PAs and nurse practitioners. Right. Right. And right. we're producing more That's PAs true. and nurse practitioners today than we ever have. Um, more and more programs are opening up. You know these great training programs, and and that's what we're going to see. Right, and so that is going to answer some of the shortage. Yeah. Well, let me give you one stat that is going to probably blow your mind a little bit. This study also found that currently, of all the physicians in America, two of five active physicians will be over age sixty-five within the next decade. Two of five. Wow. Forty percent. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So, so that tells you that the problem is not going to get. A lot better. That's right. I mean, go, moving right. forward. Yep. And and we do know that current physicians are are working less hours. Current physicians are retiring at a younger age. Yes. There's a lot of discussion about you know job satisfaction. Um, there's a there's a lot. I mean, we get surveys. We being physicians, we get surveys mm-hmm. all the time about what our job satisfaction right. is. And Probably physician of, burnout and all yeah, that stuff. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's a. It's a big deal, and that's why you know the limitation of the of work hours yeah. could be life saving yeah. on both ends, yeah. both for the physicians and their patients. Yeah. But it does create a workforce yeah. issue, and we're going to have to address that in the next uh, few weeks. I think we'll we'll bring two physicians on. We'll bring a young physician that's only been in practice say five years, mm-hmm. and then I know a physician that has actually practiced medicine in Orlando for over fifty years. Right. And he is a primary care physician up in Lake Mary. Right. We'll see if we can get them on the show. You could get them together and then kind of get them and to talk fight, about fight, this. Yeah. They could fight about it. Yeah. No, we, we, can. we could, yeah, it could be pretty exciting there. <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah. I think it's, it's all very, very individually based because you could also have a young physician whose parent may have been 
a physician and, and third, and, fourth generation, yeah, even. and they may yep. look at it and say, yep. "Well, no, this is this is yep. how this is how my dad or my mom did it." And well, this look is at how your I family. It. I mean, you're going to have a a daughter as a physician yep. and a wife as a nurse ARNP. practitioner, yeah, yep. a nurse yep. practitioner. Yeah, yep. 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 I know. I should I should yep. be able to retire right now. You should. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. No. 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 No kidding around about that. But right. but no, it is it is definitely a different way to look at things. And so, Doctor Mark, before we end, that, I know we're coming down to a break here in a minute or so. What is the mentality of a physician that is getting close to 60, but not there yet in this community, in our community? I think in general, uh, Mm -hmm. they're still pretty prime uh, at at 60. I I don't think... There's a hard stop at 65 or 67. Uh, I, I believe that it's probably quite related to what the specialty is. Because okay. some specialties are just more physically demanding. Primary and, care, for yeah, instance. And, These uh, people see 30, 40 patients a day. Well, see, I was thinking yeah. of it a different way. Okay. So um, so I think the, the primary cares, the average retirement age for primary cares is going to be higher Right. Than that with somebody who's like Particularly an Particularly like a surgeon, surgeon like right. yourself. Yeah. E- yeah. ER yeah. physician. Right. Although the ER physicians have really done a great job recognizing burnout, and yeah. now they're all shift work. Yeah. I know, know some very up-in-age emergency room yeah. physicians yeah. that yeah. are still working. Yeah, we'll have to get look at data on yeah. it because I think it's yeah. it's hard to just look at our population because the, the ones that stand out are the ones that are older so we kind of get that yep. feeling that there's yep. more of them but I don't I don't think too many of the 60 year olds are, are really thinking I've, I've got it's time I, I, yeah yep. and, and interestingly I once saw a graph looking at uh, how the workload of a physician is set up and you know as graphs are pretty tough to show on radio but safe to say that the graph keeps going up and up and up and you you really never plateau and you know it goes up slowly and then let's say you do plateau at 60 you don't then start bringing it down for a landing right, right. you just keep it. working yep. very interesting dr mark you're listening to healthcare now the truth about us healthcare our website is healthcarenow.us you can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us dr mark will be right back you're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Mark Chayot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, my co-host. And hey, Larry, before we jump into the new topic, let's yep. let's uh, finish uh, some of that discussion. We were talking about the, well, med, the med students. Med students. So yeah. we saw yep. sixty-two thousand new applicants, applications, right? Which is which is a, a record high for the last and twenty years. The question yep. you'd ask me was, 
how many doctors do we graduate a year? Right. And so I was uh, smart not to uh, throw something out off the top of my head, but it's about 25,000. Okay. Okay. So so, so 60, we have 25,000 new doctors a year yep. in America. Right. Coming so, out of fellowship and residency. Correct. Okay. Correct. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you've, you probably have some attrition rate, but yeah, that's so each each stage okay. of the game. That so that's a yearly number. Yeah, so, that's not a net gain. That's just new physicians minus the ones that retire. Oh yeah, which looks yeah. like we're we're at a net loss. Exactly. Right. So we're exactly. we're looking at more than twenty. Oh, that yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, that, that's easy to say. Twenty five thousand yeah. doctors. Yeah, new doctors. Yeah, new doctors. Oh no, twenty five thousand more than twenty five thousand people years, retire. That's right. And yeah. yet, and yet, in the next ten years, they're projecting. 140,000 physician shortage. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the high end. Let's not scare everybody completely yeah, to death. Right. So between right. 50 and 100, you know, 140. Right, right, so, right. but yeah, that's definitely, uh, definitely an interesting number. And uh, we've got to figure the, the mistake occurs if everybody says, well, why don't we yep. just number up those? We got 62,000 people that apply. Let's let them all be doctors. Exactly. And that's probably not the right way to go. But, you know, you, you, you hit on something earlier that uh, I thought about when you said it. ARNPs, PAs, yes. nurses. Yep, we're seeing that number increase more and more. Yep, yep. So that that is going to be an answer to uh, some cost issues, an answer yep. to you know a lot of a lot of workforce issues that we're going to see. Right. But, all right, right well, let's jump away from that and talk about something we actually touched on this. I don't know if it was two weeks ago or last week. Yep. About I think it was a couple weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, it was yep. about United Healthcare. So yep. initially, United Healthcare sort of. Uh, sued team health clinicians saying that they were being inappropriately right. billed right and team health clinicians has in Las now Vegas, sued united yeah, they, in 10 different cases around the country right and so they so team health as a as a big group they, and there's team health all over the country yep they just won a a, a, a suit uh and dr mark before we get into the numbers explain to the, our audience who team health is so Team Health is a large venture capital-based group that comes in and uh, I don't uh, acquire. I don't know what word they use. If it's acquires or partners up with partners doctors. up. I'd so, say so let's a say word. if yep. you've got a, a large ER group that covers right. a number of hospitals, right. Team Health may come in and say, "Hey, listen, let's partner up here and let us help you do a lot of the back office stuff, yep. and let's yep. work together with yep. all the other ER physicians that we yep. work with, and you know we'll, we'll yep. get this uh, this information sharing right. and and well, they have ER." Docs. They have hospitalists, anesthesia. pathology, anesthesia, yep. Yep. all of it. A lot yep. of a lot mm-hmm. of different a lot of different groups. all the hospital based uh, physician. Yep. Yeah, because they're they're really looking to to figure out ways to this economy of scale and you know knowledge in certain yep. workplaces. So well, we're going to talk a couple of, of in in Las Vegas. They just want a sixty two million dollar lawsuit against United for underpayment and refusing of authorizations. Right, and so this was a flip back because. Right. United was saying that they weren't they were billing incorrectly. Right. And so Well they had initially yeah. demanded 100 million in punitive damages. Mm-hmm. But uh, they were only awarded 2.65 million in punitive and 60 million in actual claims damages. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Well, this is just the beginning though, right? Because it is. we've and got there's still live suits out there and now everybody right. now knows the numbers they're looking right. for. And, and bringing it home, United Healthcare has been uh, Demanded to pay the village's health system in Leesburg, just up the road, right? Four point seven million for the same thing. Same, same for denied issue. claims for treatment. Same, yep, yep. So yeah, so we're still, yeah, and that's you know four point seven. It sounds like a, a tiny number when you're 
looking at some of these other things, but the the scale here at the villages, you know, we're talking about a much smaller uh, UF Health. Leesburg Hospital. 125,000 right? Medicare yep. lives up in that area. Yep. So that was based on about 1,000 claims. Yep. Right? So, right. So this claims. is this is twice that United, you know, gets in the news, and, and it, there's going to be more of it. I mean, because right. we've got another number of cases just with Team Health, and so everybody else is right. jumping on board. I know there's another uh, anesthesia group that I that I won't name that uh, discussed I heard that they were going to do the same thing, that they're they're right. following this very carefully because they're going to be able to see the codes that people were yeah. and the charges, yeah. and, that, and they'll be able to say, hey, you know, do we have a case here? Exactly. Well, in the Leesburg case during the trial, it came up that uh, United had underpaid on 11,000 claims totaling $10.5 million. Hmm. So that well, the, the total claims did. So they did pay yep. some. So that's why the four. So they got about half million. of that. Yeah. They well, got they about, probably yeah. also got money from the, the claim that was filed. Yeah. Right. So yeah. they 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 essentially got du- double down on uh on what they were what they were supposed to get. I suppose. Right. So, yeah. Right. So interesting. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Honestly, if you're in the boardroom at uh, United Health, uh, yep. And that happens. I mean, that's a rounding error on their budget. Four point seven million. It, that's I mean, true. It's, that's it's true. Really, I don't know. It's certainly not punitive. And I think that we talk about this a lot. We talk about the commercial groups you know being mm-hmm. uh you know a big absorber of that uh, four trillion dollars in in our uh health money that goes out there every year and they need to be held accountable for these exactly. issues and i, well, think I mean that's you as where... a practicing physician dr mark you've seen your claims denied by united sure. you and i've actually talked about it yeah, over the absolutely. years absolutely and, and it's and very co- frustrating changes you know yeah. midstream and yeah. and so it is it is frustrating and, and nobody's making any friends out there i'll tell you that that's right but, uh, that's except right. except if you're a, a stockholder i suppose you're making some pretty good friends so what who else is in this kind yeah. of game well uh i think Let's let's talk about Cigna for a minute. I mean, we talked about United. Uh, By the way, uh, Team Health also has subsidiaries, not just in Florida, but in New Jersey, New York, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, Texas, and all these groups are challenging United Healthcare's reimbursement. Well, like I say, now they have the recipe. Yeah. Right? So they have all that internal information. That's right. And they'll be able to look at each one of their facilities and almost calculate what a settlement will be. Right. Because they're going right. to say that, well, this was the payoff yeah. for this many cases. Yeah. It's just going to it's going to become right. more than a rounding error right. than, than we're, we're seeing there. And, you know, we work in the villages in the Leesburg area, and I can tell you the dominant Medicare plan up there is United Medicare. Is that right? Yeah. It is the dominant player up there. Interesting. Interesting. And well, yet they're I mean, that's, denying claim. I guess when you, you're the largest, you think you can do whatever you want. Well, I mean, there's always that that rumor that all claims get denied and it's all about whether or not you try hard enough to collect them right so you know that 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 is denied and denied and denied in the uh in the boardrooms but it certainly seems that way and while we're picking on united let's talk a little bit about cigna for a minute you know uh, there has been a not that they're being sued no no absolutely not (laughs) they they just got a little different game plan yeah they do you know cigna's i'd say close to 90 percent of cigna's business is self-insured the large self-insured employers yeah so explain the self-insured. Yeah, that means that they'll go with an employer who is really not paying premiums, but they're paying claims, and they hire Cigna to manage their health plan. Right. So they've got they pay an administrative fee, administrative fee, and then claims, and then the, so yeah. they pay. So if uh, if one of their employees yeah. goes to the hospital, they they're paying for it. That's right. They're basically the employer is at risk. Yep. 
not yep. the health plan. Right, right. Yep. And so they, they do that because if they just went out and paid a premium, they're going to pay a certain premium per client. Much and higher. And if it's a bigger... You know, if it's a big number of employees, that's how insurance works, right? That's right. You're putting all that money in the pot. So here, they're putting their own money at risk, the money right. that they would have used to pay premiums. Betting and, on and managing exact, their managing cost. Managing it well. Exactly. That's right. That's right. Exactly. So, so anyway, that's that's really yep. important stuff. So Cigna's been doing yep. a lot of that. They have. But they have. They're, they're showing this new pattern of doing something that we haven't seen a lot yep. of in the market. Right. And, for, and the perfect example here in the Orlando area is Cigna teamed with Oscar Health. Right. To form a product called SureFit in this community, which yep. is a Cigna product, but they teamed with Oscar with right. Advent Health to, to and, deliver the product. And add to that that Oscar's only been in the market a couple of years. About three years. Yeah. And yep. what they did is they came in and probably one of the hardest things to do when you're building an insurance company is to get a network of physicians. That's right. So they actually approached one of the big hospital systems, right, Advent right. Health, and said, yep. hey, why don't, can we use your network of physicians? Right. And so the the clinically integrated network at Advent Health said, yep. okay, docs, you guys, are you on board? Yep. And so they, they kind of came in, they undercut Blue Cross Blue Shield and premiums, That's right. That's right. and they started These to build very, this These are very, very narrow networks, this right. Oscar product. Right. So now add to that that so now we have a Cigna Oscar advent right so it's it's everybody's and, I don't know is everybody and then, get and then to throw another wrinkle in the ointment Dr. Mark not only did they contract with Oscar they've also invested about 500 million dollars into Bright Health who has also come into the Orlando market right and, and I think Cigna did that not only to maybe uh, pump up their uh Balance sheet, right. but also give them a wraparound network that Cigna already had in the community. Right. Oh, that that helps. Yeah. Right. Health. Sure. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, when when that offer comes in, I mean, you can't look the other yep. way. You're in the insurance yep. game, and and really, when you're building these smaller insurance companies, your whole plan is to be acquired. Right. And you're you're going out yep. there, but when we've got three big companies yep. working together, how is that cutting administrative costs? Yeah. Well, I think uh, one of the industry uh, analysts made the comment is, uh, that's got to be the strategy, but how do we become better together? Right. right. And again, the mm-hmm. SureFit product, I can tell you in the Orlando market, only has about 1,500 members. Yes. So it hasn't taken off. No, no. Yeah. And that's because it's a very narrow, defined network through Advent Health. Right, right. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. Orlando's always a very interesting place to talk about these things and i believe that the insurance companies work here in orlando and they they learn things that they apply Mm -hmm. to different areas just because they've got the two big health systems there's a lot of big industry here and there's a pretty good amount of of self-insured companies here too to work with no question they they sort of get to lay out a plan you got disney universal marriott hotels school systems the counties county governments all these guys are self-insured now absolutely here here in vegas right i mean so so we have that same kind of market and so the the companies are going to be able to play around and, and see. So you got the smaller companies that are always looking into bite off a little piece, right, right. and then the bigger companies trying to decide. Well, when do we buy that smaller company? That's How right. big do they need to be? And here, That's Cigna's right. gotten into some fairly small groups. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I think the Bright Health, the Bright Health product is really the winner with the Cigna relationship because they're going to add 900,000 lives to their Bright House plan and also be able to work with the MediImpact Pharmacy Benefit Manager, Cigna's, who bought Express Scripts. They bought Express Scripts. Yeah. 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 No, that is. It's going to. A lot of strategy going on in this market. There, there is. Now, yeah. we should point out that Cigna, although everybody is familiar with that name, mm-hmm. is not nearly as large as United. Correct. And, or in Anthem. Yep. And so right. we've, uh, I don't know, maybe maybe they're heading in that direction. Well, I think it's a strategy to be able to, on the bigger scale, compete with people like United and Anthem on more of a global scale. Sure. Yeah. That would make sense. No, I think so. It's yeah. all size matters. Oh, wow. We hear that all the time. We've run out of time, Dr. Mark. No way. <laughs> all right. What are we going to talk about in the next segment? Uh, we're going to talk about one of the largest Medicaid plans in the country, and we're we'll also talk a little bit about what some of the legislation is doing to urge Medicare to cut back on this Part B hike. Perfect. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Our website is healthcarenow.us. You can email us at follow us at healthcarenow.us. Dr. Mark will be right back. You're listening to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. We're going to a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion on all things healthcare with Dr. Mark and Larry. Mark Chayot, MD practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407-228-4774 or visit orlandopediatricsurgery.com. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Welcome back to Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. And now let's head back into the Healthcare Now studios with Dr. Mark and Larry. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. I'm Dr. Mark. I'm here with Larry Jones, and we are going to start our last segment. And, Larry, you gave us a teaser, but then we were talking. There's something really important that I want us to talk about before we go to that teaser. Right. A couple of weeks ago, and we've talked about this more than once, is talking about the uh, Part B hike in pays for yes. Medicare. Yes. And, uh, and so this, was, this is an update to that, yeah. which is really, really a, a good one. Right. Well, last month, Medicare announced that uh, one of the largest increase ever in its Part B monthly premium is going to go from 148.50 to 170.10, which comes out of your Social Security right, every so month. Twenty-two bucks a month. Twenty-two bucks a month. Now the the Senate panel that oversees Medicare and also a group called MedPAC, the Medicare Payment Advisory Commission, is urging the Biden administration to use its legal authority, meaning executive order, to cut back this premium that's hurting millions of people enrolled in the Medicare program. Right. So you're looking at it just destroying that 5.9% cost of living bump. And one of the arguments they had was they were going to use half of that bump. Oh, this one really grabs me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) To cover Adahelm, that $56,000 a year Alzheimer's drug that nobody's using. Are you believing that, Dr. Mark? So 
how did that how did that come back up? That was never revealed no. in that fourteen point six percent increase until now. Yep. So I mean, I think the answer there is well, nobody's using that yet. Right. I mean, they really haven't gone back, clinically said, yep. this is the right thing to do right. Right. At, at this cost or any yep. other cost. Well, so. the $22 swallowed up the 5.9% cost yeah, of living sure. increase, and now they're saying, let's roll that back for two years, and hopefully, and by the way, that $22, like you said, $11 of that yep. was targeted as a reserve for the need to fund Alzheimer's, right? That fifty-six thousand well, dollars drug, specific drug, yeah. that, that we don't think is going to be used anyway. Yeah, yeah. so that again, is that was very that, that was poor the planning, Doctor Mark. Oh, I, well, I, you know, we have heard nothing about that monoclonal antibody in months. Yeah. No, and, we haven't. And, and and the last thing we heard was it needs to be. We better started studied. talking about this in early summer, and that's crazy. That's crazy that it, that they came up with that. Ah, that doesn't make any sense at all. Well, we'll see where this goes. I guess. Yep. We, I mean, we're going to know pretty soon here, right? Absolutely. And what else do we know pretty soon? Well, you know, we just completed open enrollment for Medicare as of December seventh, yep. and uh, I think there's been some record. Uh, changes moving from FIFA service straight Medicare to Medicare Advantage during the open enrollment period. But all those numbers won't be uh, revealed until after yet. Christmas. Right. So they're not available yet. Yeah. But the idea, not available yet. What, yeah. do you th- what's behind that, do you think? Is it the advertising? Is it education? I mean, it's not a bad thing. I think it's a number of things, Dr. Mark. I think advertising and and uh, transparency is a lot. Yep. But I also believe that the cost of supplements Yes. Has increased the cost of part part D pharmacy right. has increased. increased. Now you're paying $225 a month for a pharmacy. Right. I mean for a, a supplement to cover the 20% that Medicare doesn't cover right. on a straight Medicare. And now you're up to almost $100 a month on the Part D yes. pharmacy premium. Right, you right, add right. $325 a month to that 17010 that's already coming out of your Medicare yep. Social Security. That's a lot of money, Dr. Martin. It is Martin. a lot. No, it and is a lot. you're still going to uh, uh, still have other costs involved in the pharmacy piece. Right, right, depending yeah. on the tier. Yeah. Yep. So now people can go to a Medicare Advantage plan. They have zero premium. They normally would have zero premium to not only primary care, but to specialist in some regard. Right. And they have pharmacy costs where they don't have to buy that Part D program. And they may, And they might not even be paying anything for that. That's right. Well, there is a donut hole there that right. they do pay well, after I mean, they... Just, just for the for the Advantage plan. Well, yeah. yeah, absolutely. yeah. Well, that's yeah. right. They don't pay yeah. any premium. Right. And then also on the generic drugs, there's usually a zero premium as well. Right. And then they get the benefits. As you know, they added a hearing, dental, vision, all to the Medicare Advantage plans, which they're talking about adding to the straight Medicare, but that hasn't happened yet. So there's a lot of reasons, I think, that people are saying, whoa, you know, this. I like my freedom of straight Medicare with a supplement, but maybe if I can find the system I want to be involved in, yeah. I can deal with it. Do you see a time when that's all that exists is the Advantage plans? I think Medicare would like it to be that way because yeah. what they can do is fix their cost yeah. every year for Medicare and if the see all the Medicare Everybody Advantage plans take, take the risk. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Medicare is no longer at risk. I mean, a lot of the Medicaid plans yeah. throughout the country yeah. have done that, right? They've, yeah. done, they've gone to that managed yeah. Medicaid. Yeah. Here in Florida, yeah. we've done that. And, and it does take yeah. the business out of government. It does. Right. And yeah. well and of the sixty million plus Medicare beneficiaries that are here today, and if you remember growing 
yeah, two million a year for the next ten years to get to eighty. Right. Uh, about forty-two percent of those lives are now in a Medicare Advantage plan. Forty-two percent. Forty-two percent. So we're not. We don't have a, a majority. So you're looking at about yet. twenty-eight million people of the sixty. 5 million that are currently in Medicare Advantage. And I believe we're going to see a greater shift this year and probably over the next five years, Dr. Mark. So that's has there been discussion from CMS about, I mean, is this, when when you sit down in Washington and, and, and talk to these folks, are, mm-hmm. is CMS happy about this? They're very happy. And, so, and the reason is, if you remember, we've talked many times about the Medicare Trust Fund yep. and that now it's moved to 2026, that it'll be insolvent. Right. you got to remember, Medicare, straight Medicare pays a FIFA service of 100% of the Medicare allowable to anywhere they go. Right. And there's no limit on where they can go or how many times they can go. Yep. Medicare pays 80% of that. Their supplement pays 20, which gotcha. is a private insurance company right. like Blue Cross or Cigna or United. Under the Medicare Advantage plan, Medicare allocates a certain dollar amount per month per member, and the Medicare Advantage plan gets that payment. That's all they get. And if they don't manage it, they lose money. Right. CMS doesn't cost them any more. And they've been successful. There's yes. more and more of these companies. Yes. So right. the idea, it's just interesting to me because we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, whether we're moving to a one-payer system yep. in the United yep. States, and would that payer actually be a government payer? Right. And most people like me, have said, have you seen how the VA works? You exactly. Know? So we don't exactly. really want the government there. That's and right. this seems to be a pathway. And the VA even uh, farms that out to Humana. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this, this could United be, tried could to be take it over a few to, years ago, but Humana still maintains it. They still hold on to on it. On TRICARE. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. the, which is a whole whole nother show that we can it is. talk about. It is. Well, well, transitioning to a whole nother mm-hmm. show, I know at the break you mentioned that you were yep. going to bring something up that was going to yep. really uh, yep. fire me up. Yep. So I'm going to let you do that. Okay. See if we can go in this last five minutes of the weekend sure. show here. And Well, you and know, while we're got. talking about Medicare, let's talk a little bit about Medicaid because these okay. are all government dollars. Yes. Government subsidized at 100% of wherever that money comes from. Right. So in Medicaid, well, it's 50-50 federal yep. and state. That's right. Centene uh, is a large private insurance company out of St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. who has over the last few years acquired 12 Medicare Medicaid Advantage plans, Medicaid plans right. in 10 states. They represent two and a half million Medicaid lives, one of the larger Medicaid plans, particularly in our part of the world. Sure. Well, it comes to find out that a significant part of their operation is now in the UK and overseas. Interesting. So why are we taking government-backed money from Centene and letting Centene use this money to build businesses in foreign countries? I'm going to let you keep talking because you know what my personal experience with this uh, particular company has been. (laughs) Well, the majority of the $32 billion that Centene uh, generates is in international revenue, and it comes from the Circle Health subsidy in the United Kingdom, Mm -hmm. which claims to be the largest independent hospital operator in that country with over 50 hospitals in the U.K., and Centene also operates in Spain. Uh, their international membership grew to over 750,000 lives during the third quarter of last year. Wow. And again, you got to remember, uh, when people started losing their jobs, 
and they were looking for ACA or mm-hmm. on the ACA, the Obamacare plan, right, right. and then they couldn't afford their premiums, guess where they ended up? Medicaid. Medicaid. And Medicaid in this country of 340 million lives, Dr. Mark, you ready? On yep. the Medicare, 86 million people are on Medicaid in this country. Wow. Yeah, and we're not talking about just kids here. We're talking about adults that Everybody. don't qualify yep. for anything else. That's right. And they, they end, have they the income level under the poverty. I think it's 140% of the poverty level mm-hmm. that qualify for Medicaid in this right. country. Right. Uh, man. Yeah, no, that's that's frightening. And and, and Centene yep. is making cash hand over fist. They have they been have the grown. most aggressive Medicaid yep. player in the in the country. Yep. And you look at that and you think there's no way Whoever thought of it? Whoever thought I'm going to be able to make money on? Yep. It, it's sort of like uh, the old the old story about uh, you know if if I'm how are you how are you going to make any money if every time you do yep. this you lose a dollar? Right. And you say, that's well, right. I'm just going to do it over and over and over. Right. You know, that's you're right. just that's the that's sort of the story of Medicaid. Right. And here they're actually flipping this. Yep. To and, figure out how to make money. And and I'll tell you how they've done it in in. My market, well, because you, you deal with Medicaid right. and Centene as well, right? So, what they've done in, in my market is, you know, we we do have. We were just talking about the managed Medicaid groups, right? And you can negotiate a fee, right? right? And right. so they can examine a practice and say, well, you're a very high performing, dollar saving practice with good outcomes, so we're going to pay you better than the flat rate. Right. And uh, I can say that, you know, we've got practices that I'm aware of that have gotten a good rate, and then Centene walks in and says, hey, we're, well, actually, another company walks in, Sunshine, yep, and yep. says, hey, we're in the market now. Well, that's now. a Centene company. Well, yeah. now it is, yeah. Yeah. right? Right. And so uh, so they, they walk in and say, well, we're not going to pay you that. We're, we're paying everybody the same shut up and sit down or don't participate. Yeah, that's right. And then you kind of look at it and say, well, you know, you try to participate in everything that's out there. Right. And you, you say, well, they're, they're really small. Yep. And so then then they then they turn around and buy one of the groups that you've been negotiating. Exactly. With. And yep. I can tell you that you, you can see a drop of 50 percent. Yep. Of yep. what you're getting paid. Instead yep. of that $80 visit, it's a $40 right. visit. And do you think they're going to negotiate? Right. And then they negotiate through the hospital for the Medicaid plans. And then when the hospital dumps them or they change hospital systems, you get a decrease in your pay. Yep. Because yep. they give you a direct contract yep. at probably half of what they contracted right. with the hospital. And you have no control yep. over it. And, and you know what? You don't have any knowledge about it either. That's right. Till and it hits you in the face. That's and, right. And and depending on the size of your group, it may not hit you in the face. It just hits you in the pocket. That's right. And you don't look like, why are we losing money here? Yeah. Well, yeah. a couple other things quickly. Aside from Centene's ability to go international, they are, as you know, and I think we talked about this on an earlier show, they're in the process of closing a $2.2 billion acquisition on behavior, behavioral health provider Magellan mm-hmm. uh, by the end of... Uh, Right. This year, and, and early next be, year, that's going to be huge. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah. No, I think that is that is interesting. We're going to we're going to be talking about Centene a great deal as things go on, and we're going to be talking about Medicaid managed care because we didn't get to it today. But one of the key things for 2022 under the Biden administration is making sure that the Medicaid program is stable across the United States, and we're going to talk more and more about that in the future, Doctor Mark. Great. Well, another great show. Great show today. Good, good news, bad news. Yep. But look forward to talking again next week. Okay. See you then. 
Thank you for joining us today on Healthcare Now. To find the answers you are looking for or have a question, you can reach Larry and Dr. Mark by emailing your questions and comments to follow us at healthcarenow.us. And we'll continue our discussion same time next week on navigating our complex healthcare system on Healthcare Now. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.